Tonight at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to continue along our alphabet series. Um, tonight's letter is V, and we're going to talk about victory. This is such an important word that many of us don't realize what it really means in Christ. That we have so much more of a victory than just going to heaven. You know, going to heaven is like the cherry on top. And we so focus on such a, a small aspect, although it's eternity, and although we're saved from eternal damnation. And, and I'm not trying to make light of heaven, but so many of us are trying to rush to heaven. And we miss the victories that happen in our everyday life because we want to get raptured and we just want to go be with Jesus and we just want to go to heaven now and we don't want to suffer anymore and we don't want to struggle and it shouldn't be like this and it shouldn't be like that. So we have this mentality of victim mindset that's rooted deep in our childhood that we've been taught to be victims from our earliest memories of the things that we've gone through, the things that we've suffered through, the things that we've been forced into, that many of us have had abuse upon abuse in our, in our lives. And it didn't stop in our childhood and it, it went into our adolescence and it went into our adult lives that we've had traumatic lives, broken lives that led to so much dysfunction and addiction and just trying to grasp for anything to make things feel normal. Or to, to avoid or to, to escape reality. But the reality is, is that we have this, this victory that we can live in right now that a lot of us, we bypass because there's work involved. But yet, it's not the work in the sense that we're striving for it because that's not victory. Victory is that the battle has been won and we have to overcome our mindset and the dysfunction that's still in our lives from the years of sin and how to align ourselves with kingdom mindset, align ourselves with Jesus, align ourselves with the word of God. And it takes some work because there are so many things that we may read or know about Christ, but when it comes time to apply it, our feelings overcome us, and we continue to let our feelings lead us down the, the war path in the wrong direction because we're living out this victim mentality. And this is where a lot of pride, envy, control, codependency, lust, I mean, the list goes on and on and on of the sins that we still struggle with, Yet we're still sinners saved by grace. But yet we make excuses for these things because we're still wounded. And we still have this victim mindset that, well, it'll be better when I go to heaven. And we have to realize that it can be better now. It can be better now, but we have to align ourselves with what Jesus is asking of us and call sin, sin. And begin to decide that I'm not going to entertain this anymore. Because in my woundedness, in my dysfunction, in my sin nature, in my past, this was prevalent. This is how I lived. This is how I coped. This is how I got through life. This is how I managed. But if I am to really step into the victory that Christ has for me, I can't live in this mindset that I'm still a victim. Now granted, we've been through some difficult things. But if we're still blaming someone or something or some time or some circumstance, that that has power over our lives. And it's really, believe it or not, still Lord in our lives. Because it has more power than Jesus. And we wouldn't openly say that. We wouldn't go to church and tell everybody that, you know, my sexual abuse as a child has more power than Jesus. 
But my mindset and the way I live and what goes in my mind, it might not come out when people are around me, but it's things I say over myself that I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. No one's going to love me. You know, God's not going to take care of this. Does God really love me? Do I really have a future? Do I have a spouse in my, you know, is something going to happen? Or am I just so worthless that nobody wants me? But we don't say that stuff out loud, but we say that stuff to ourselves a million times throughout the day. So yes, praise the Lord. I'm saved by grace. I love Jesus. But yet, internally, I have this mindset that I'm still a victim by my past. But yet, the word says that the blood of Jesus has wiped it all clean. But yet, it's only wiped enough clean so I can go to heaven. It hasn't wiped enough clean so I can live victorious and have an inheritance here on earth. That I can walk as a king's kid. That I'm a child of God. That I've been adopted into the kingdom of heaven. That God is my father. That doesn't mean that things are perfect but it changes the way I live. It changes the way that I think. You know, the Bible tells us to renew our minds according to the word of God. But so often, we read it, but we don't apply it, and then our emotions spike, and we say, oh, that's truth. I've believed that my whole entire life, so this is more powerful than the word of God. But what really has to happen is I have to declare that the word of God is more powerful than the way I feel. And I have to put the word on my emotions and say, no. It doesn't mean that I negate my emotions. It just says that the word of God is more powerful than my emotions. And I start speaking victory over my life. Now, it's not this hyper faith that I deny things either. Because we're good at that as Christians. Like, Jesus is going to heal me. I'm going to break my glasses and throw them away and just walk around blind until he heals me. <laughs> like, we have to be practical. If I have poor eyesight, I'm going to start praying over my eyes every day and say, Jesus, heal my eyes. But you know what? I put on my glasses. You know what? If I get sick in my body, I'm going to pray, Jesus, heal my body but I'm going to go to the doctor. Why? Because I'm going to use practical, modern technology, modern medicine, but I'm going to pray to a supernatural God that does miracles, signs, and wonders every single day somewhere on this earth. And maybe it's my turn, and maybe it's not. It's not up to me. It's not up to my actions. I can't behave well enough to get a miracle. Come on, I'm rolling the lottery with Jesus. I've been behaving for like a week. Jesus, give me what I want. And so many times that that's what victory is to us, that if I behave well enough and I pray according to what I think is right because I heard someone else pray, then therefore Jesus is going to give me what I want. And when I don't get what I want, I slip right back into this victim mindset that, well, I'm not as good as some of those other people. So it gives me the excuse to keep on sinning and keep staying in this dysfunction, keep staying in this depression, keep staying in this anxiety. And these are real things. But at some point, I have to decide that I do what the doctor says, but I also start doing what Jesus is saying. And soon enough, Jesus wins again and again and again. He has won so many times in our lives because everybody in this room, I would care to say, I'm going to jump out in faith, should be dead. And yet we're sitting here on a Friday night, <laughs> listening to a, a chubby, tattooed, bearded guy talk about Jesus. If that's not miracles on top of miracles on top of miracles, I don't know what is. <laughs> the fact that I'm even up here talking about Jesus is like enough miracles to be, that blows me away still to this day. Like, I reflect at times when God really shows me certain things or he brings someone up from my past or I just have this memory of like, You know, I went to the dentist this morning and I pray for my teeth to be healed. But I go to the dentist. Yeah. And it's a miracle that I'm not in more pain than I'm in. But I'm going to the dentist. 
and I'm talking and we're talking and the lady's talking and I'm getting her to laugh and and she's like, you know, I'm I'm talking about this and that and like I got to be careful, you know, because I do public speaking and she's like, oh, I can't do that and I'm like, I can't do that either. <laughs> I remember in high school having speeches. Who remembers doing speeches in high school? They would force us to do that in English class, and I would literally be shaking so much, hanging onto the podium, being like, "I absolutely hate this. Like, just give me a zero. <laughs> nope, Tom, it's your turn." And I would practice and practice and practice. It would not matter. There would be so much stage fright. And then Jesus shows up. And puts me in this position, and it's like, I don't think of any of that. There's so many times I'm like, I'm praying and praying, like, God, what am I supposed to say? And it's like, I got this. All right, Jesus. (laughs) And there's times I get up here, and I have no idea and no remembrance of some of the things I say because the Holy Spirit just moves. And somebody says, oh, I like what you said. And I'm like, really? That's great. Because the Holy Spirit moved. That he took someone who'd never talked, trying to get me in a conversation pre-Jesus, it was very difficult. I was too stuck in my head. I was, my mind was racing. I was either high or on too many medications. I didn't want to talk to you. I wanted to stay in the prison. I didn't want to come out. And then Jesus starts to show up, and he starts to lift all that stuff. He starts to heal me of this, that, and the other thing. Why? Because I began to pray. Jesus, you've got to take this depression. You've got to heal my mind. You've got to heal my life. You've got to take this addiction. I begin to fight in prayer, because if Jesus doesn't fix me, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm either going to die in my addiction or kill myself. Those were like my legitimate options pre-Jesus. Like, one of those paths is going to happen. And there were so many times that I would drink and drug and hope that I did not wake up the next day. And I would wake up the next day pissed off that I didn't somehow take the easy way out and die in my sleep. Drink so much. Put so many chemicals in my body. Hoping that this was enough. And wake up the next day pissed off because I gotta do it all over again. <laughs> but yet, there's this thing on the inside of me that doesn't really want to die. I just don't want to feel the pain anymore. I'm in so much pain. I don't know how to make it go away. I'm sober and it's awful and amusing and it's awful and just life sucks. There's no hope anywhere to be found. And literally this, this young girl says, you know, my church is doing this new small group about recovery. You should come. And I'm just getting out of rehab because I relapsed again. Like, you can't hurt me. Okay. Didn't hurt that she was cute, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so you just about anything you get into the kingdom of God. <laughs> And here I am. I had no idea how to live a victorious life. I had no idea how to not just let my emotions or my flesh or my feelings or my desires, my my addictions, delete every single one of my decisions. And then all of a sudden, I get sober and I start figuring out this Jesus stuff. And I didn't jump in with two feet. I'm like, I don't want religion. I don't want that stuff. But I'm willing to try to figure out who this Jesus character is. And I began reading through the New Testament. And I'm like, Christians don't do this stuff. Who is this guy? Like, I don't understand this stuff. And I went to Pastor Mike and I'm like, do Christians actually read this book? Because I've never actually seen somebody do this stuff. And he like laughs, and I'm like serious, and I'm like, I want an answer, and he's just laughing, and I'm like. (laughs) But the word of God began to change my mind. It began to jump off the page to me, 
And it started to show me things in my life. Like there are times I would be reading something and it would have this like flash over parts of my past and it would relate like something that was written 2,000 years ago makes absolute sense right now. And there's other times that I'd be like so angry because I want to trust, I want to have faith, but I don't have faith. I'm trying to have belief, but I'm really trying to believe that this Jesus stuff is real. See, many of us believe the Jesus stuff. But when crunch time happens, I got to do it my way. Jesus isn't moving fast enough. You know, so when I need to have faith, I need to stand in victory. I need to trust Jesus. I can't sit still long enough to do nothing. Because I need instant gratification. And if Jesus ain't doing it, I've been doing it my, for myself my entire life. I'll just help a brother up. <laughs> like he's busy somewhere in Africa, China I don't know, he's up to something I'll just take care of this for now because he's busy <laughs> but the truth of the matter is is I keep doing it my way and Jesus is like I'm not busy in Africa I'm just not giving you what you want because what you want has never worked so sit still and hang on let's do this I'm like but when are you going to move? Tomorrow? I'll wait till tomorrow. Next week? And we put this time limit on victory. And when I don't get victory in the time frame that I think I should get victory, because I've been behaving lately, Jesus. I actually read my Bible today. And I prayed like twice. And I went to church like three times in a row. Like, you need to give me what I want. Now. In Jesus' name. That's not victory. But yet we throw these little spiritual temper tantrums. Don't Come on, I'm not the only one. <laughs> Too many of you are laughing to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> victory is a whole other element. That when we read through the Bible, you know, there's the chapter of faith. And it's talking about this one and that one and this one and that one. That they believe so strongly in the Messiah to come. That they laid down their lives not even knowing what it meant. Not even knowing what it really meant. But they knew that God was the answer. And they believed so strongly that they did some crazy stuff. And yet we have the answer. We have the tangible answer that Jesus has laid it out before us. That there's a lot of the questions that they would have had that we have answers to and yet... We're not letting the word of God be the word of God. Because I want to continue to let my flesh and this victim mindset be what is truth. Now they may be facts. And facts are facts. But truth supersedes facts. Because the fact of the matter is, is a bumblebee can't fly. They can't scientifically figure it out. And God said, I got that. (laughs) Most of us in this room have been on an airplane. That legitimately shouldn't fly. But there's another law in place that can supersede the law of gravity. And therefore, most of us are flying around the world. Why? Because if you put enough force behind something, no matter how heavy it is, you can put it in the air. There's ships floating in this ocean that weigh too much to be floating. But yet, they have figured out how to put very heavy things in water, and they don't tip over, and they actually stay afloat. But if you put something half that amount of weight, a quarter of that amount of weight, that doesn't have the right shape to it, it'll sink to the bottom. So facts can be superseded by truth. That laws can be broken by new laws. And the law of grace that Jesus came to to fulfill the law, that he's written it on our hearts, 
that many of us know the truth, but we deny it. That we let our emotion supersede the little voice that says, that's a bad idea, you probably shouldn't do that. Like, I know it's a bad idea, but it'll feel really nice right now. And we have to get to the point where it says, no, I've touched that so many times, I know it's hot. And I love that line in the big book that it says that we will recoil from a drink like sticking our hand in a hot flame. But we have to go further than that. That we have to recoil from sin like we're sticking our hand in a hot flame. That I know that flame is hot. I may have touched that flame once or twice and I may have burned myself. But at some point I have to decide that if I reach my hand in that direction, it's going to hurt me. And every one of us has something, including me. I'm not up here standing in this place of superiority. That we all have sin in our life that we don't want. Because some level, some area, we're letting that win. And we, only we, no one can come along and say, you know what? It's time for you to get victory. It's time for you to get victory. It's time for you to get victory. It doesn't work. I can't chase you guys around with a stick saying behave yourself. Because <laughs> you probably need to be chasing me around saying behave yourself. <laughs> Don't laugh. I was, it's a joke. <laughs> we have to allow the Holy Spirit to reign in our lives. We have to say, you know what? I've lived my life according to the ways of Tom far too long. I've allowed Jesus in this far, but why won't I let him in the rest of the way? I stand at the door and knock. What area in your life is Jesus knocking on? And you're like, I can't hear you. Not home. Go away. Go talk to the neighbor. (laughs) We all do it. Today's the day that I'm not going to do it. We've all done that too. We've all made these little mini vows that today's the day I'm going to start. Oh, there we go. I'm going to eat healthy today. Oh, there's cookies. <laughs> I'm going to start exercising today. Oh, I got busy. Yeah. What am I doing? Netflix. <laughs> do it tomorrow. <laughs> it's cold outside. We have a million excuses of why we can stay victims. But yet, there's also a million excuses of why we should be living in victory. And another aspect is that we should really be cheering on our fellow brothers and sisters when they start to strive, in a sense, for victory. But so often, we discourage them. And we do it in sarcasm, and we do it in other ways. Oh, you can't do that, or you can't do this. Or we have someone in our life that's the naysayer that constantly is putting us down. And we need to say, you know what? I need a boundary with that person, because if I get anywhere near them, I can't seem to get the momentum that I need to get free. You know, in the past, we call them partners in crime. You know, if I call so-and-so, I know I can, you know, they'll help me do the wrong thing. You know, I, I remember so clearly back in the day that it was like, the devil has destroyed my life so much. <clears throat> Not anymore. I'm going to give my life to Jesus and see what happens. And you know what? I need to do it again. I need to surrender it all again and say, Jesus, let's see what happens. What if I was to really lay it all down, fight my flesh, resist temptation, spend more time on my word and pray? Well, the breakthrough didn't come in a week. The breakthrough didn't come in a month. The breakthrough didn't come in six months. The breakthrough didn't come in a year. But how many years did I spend in sin chasing that thing, expecting a different result? But I don't chase Jesus with the same tenacity that I've let my flesh lead me around. Because we have enough to get us into heaven. I'm sick of living in a life that's miserable. You know, I remember that 
in my early recovery, I'm like, I'm not going to try and stay sober and be miserable. And I'm not going to actually say that I'm saved and be miserable and angry. And it took some time. I still had a lot of anger issues as an early Christian. And I remember how they would affect the people around me. But I remember, to this day, it was a Thanksgiving. And I was absolutely miserable on a day that we're supposed to be thankful. And I affected everybody around me because we were having a dinner at the church. And I remember praying through that at the end of the night because I knew I was being a jerk and I couldn't turn it off. And I remember walking through the lobby of the church saying, Jesus, what is going on? And he's like, you have unhealthy expectations that no one can reach, including yourself. And many of us have expectations of the people around us and even our expectations of ourselves that we can't reach so then we just stay in failure. Because we still live in this perfection mindset. And we're not letting Jesus lead us towards excellence. Because we're not perfect. And we technically don't need anyone to tell us that we're not perfect. We just have to look in the mirror and be like, yeah. <laughs> you missed the mark. Today, yesterday, the day before. And that's really the definition of sin, is missing the mark. What's the mark? Jesus. Well, guess what? We're going to miss the mark tomorrow, too. But if I make excuses, then I can miss the mark in 100 places, rather than 99 tomorrow, and 98 the day after that, and 97 bottles of beer on the wall. <laughs> Only we can make the decision to say enough's enough. However, we can invite people into our enough is enough and say, you know what, I need your support, guidance, and prayers. I need to be able to turn to you in a time when I'm, I'm frustrated and I, I feel like falling. And I have to allow that accountability to take place. But it's me inviting them in. It's not them chasing me around. Because any time that I've ever been chased, I just learned how to put on my running shoes and I can run faster. And every single one of us has been running faster for a long, long time. So any time that somebody's like, hey, you should stop doing that. And be like, yep, okay, dope, uh, peace out. I'm going to do it twice now just because you said no. <laughs> It's built in us. It's the rebelliousness of our sin nature that we're real good at. Since we were little kids, someone said, no, we did it twice. Three times, just say, hey. <laughs> but we have to begin to learn that that's not how we get the victory. <clears throat> and technically, we don't have to earn it. That grace is sufficient. It's been given to us. And when we fall, his mercy is new every morning. And we have to not use that as an excuse to keep doing what we're doing. But we have to grab a hold of that thing and say, you know what, Jesus, i got to figure this out. i got to figure out why you're not enough for me. I have to do the self-examination and say, you know what? This thing satisfies me more than I allow you to. And break through the denial of why I'm continuing to live in my victim mentality and not allowing his word to be my victory and stand in that truth so it supersedes the fact. Because we're all going to leave here tonight. And most likely your life isn't any different than it was when you got here. Many of you are going to go home to the same temptations that you left. And we're waiting for the poof Jesus shows up when we don't have any temptation. That doesn't happen. Now, granted, there can be a supernatural event that takes place and Jesus says, poof, that's not happening anymore. But if we're waiting for that, a lot of times we make these excuses for ourselves because Jesus isn't making the poof happen. And we want the supernatural suddenly and Jesus is like, let's walk this out. Like, I can't, Jesus. My leg's broke. <laughs> <laughs> and we make these excuses of why, because it's 
it's hard. I don't like it. It's difficult, and I don't know what's going to happen. And are you really going to make it? Are you really going to give me freedom if I do all this work? And we have this pity party for ourselves, which just makes the excuse to run in the opposite direction. Because I don't want to put all this work in you, just don't give me what I want. Because what we want really isn't Jesus. What I want is my sin nature to be fed by Jesus. Now granted, there can be some really good things and even godly things in that mix. But if we don't get our character aligned, if we get those godly good things, and our character isn't in the place that it should be, we'll burn those things to the ground too. Because many of us have had really good things in our past, but we, our character wasn't in a place that could sustain it because we're still focused on the victim side of our life. So no matter what good thing came our way, it was never good enough. We're just on to the next good thing because we're looking for something of this world, some created aspect of this world to sustain us, but yet we're creation and the only thing that can sustain us is the creator who has given us victory in this life and in the next. And we have to begin to realize that, yeah, I have victory in the next life. I need to start working on the victory now. And you know what? It might not look any different tomorrow. And we might behave ourselves and read our Bible. It may not look any better in two weeks. It may not look better in February. But you know what? If you put the right foot in front of the left foot and the right foot in front of the left foot and don't allow the backslides to keep being part of the process, I guarantee, guarantee that your life will be different. And even if you have a moment of lapse, if you put your foot in front of the next one and don't allow that thing to be a complete devastation, you will see yourself grow. Because <coughs> it's not about us being perfect. It's about us being surrendered and willing. And he knows we're going to bump our head along the way because we're knuckleheads. We're prideful. We're egotistical. We don't like being wrong. We're rebellious. It's who we are. And he knows it. So if we come before him being like, this is actually who I am, Jesus. It's not the praise your Lord, hallelujah, Jesus, that you see me on the weekend. Like the, all the rest of the week, that's actually who I am. Can you work on that side of me too? I'm ready to give you this food. I'm ready to give you the porn. I'm ready to give you the relationship. I'm ready to give you the addiction. I'm ready to give you the excuses. I'm ready to give you the lies. I'm ready to give you fill in the blank. We all got something. I'm ready to give you the thing that I don't even want anymore. But I have all this defense mechanism around the very thing that it is that I don't want because I don't really want to let go of it. And I remember the very first time that I asked Jesus to take my addiction, I was like, whoa. I didn't really kind of mean that. Um, can you just take the painful side of the addiction stuff away? Like, can I actually learn how to be successful in this stuff like some of my friends? Can I learn how to drink and use cocaine and, and not destroy everything in my life? Is that part of the Jesus' plan for me? <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. All right, I got to take my addiction. We want to let go of certain things, but we're afraid to let go of certain things, right? What is it going to look like if I really sell out everything for Christ? What are people going to say? You know what? You get to a place where you don't care what they say. I remember as a baby Christian and I was around people that are a little bit mature in Christ and we, we went out to the Chinese food buffet that's in New Hartford and, and they are talking to people about Jesus and I'm sitting there pissed off. <laughs> and we left the Chinese food. I'm like, don't ever do that around me. You want to talk about Jesus that way, feel free. But if I'm with you, don't ever, don't embarrass me like that. Because I had no idea who Jesus was. And now I'm that guy. <laughs> because now I know who Jesus is. And I'm so freely willing to share with anyone about Jesus. But I also wait for those opportune moments where I'm not trying to beat somebody in the head with a Bible. I'm actually trying to share Jesus with someone who needs Jesus. Yeah. 
and I also have learned to release the expectation and the result because that's up to him, not me. I just have to be a willing vessel. And so often, we want to sow a seed, water the seed, reap a harvest, and get a reward in moments. And when they don't do what we think they should, go on to hell for you. <laughs> in a handbasket, why not? <laughs> because we don't understand Jesus. And when we understand Jesus, how him merciful he is in us for our sin... And yet we're so quick to judge others and theirs. It helps us to understand that this is a part of a process and it doesn't mean that I can make excuses for it. But it means that I should be loving people way more than I am. It, mean, it means that I should be willing to help way more than I am. It means that if I get my focus on something else beside myself, I might actually start to grow it means that if I get my focus off of my problem and onto the solution, which is Jesus, this, the problem might actually just start to drift away. Because I get so focused on who he is and what he wants to do in my life that I start obeying the word and the spirit. That my flesh has no opinion anymore. Where my flesh has this great opinion that his way might be better. And a lot of times I agree. Like, that sounds like a great idea. Let me do that. Man, I wish I didn't do that this time. I told myself I wasn't going to do that again. But Jesus is the whole time saying, if you did it this way, if you got rid of that, or if you remove this out of your house, or you, you block this phone number, or you stop talking to so-and-so, or maybe you need to leave this, or leave that alone, or start doing this, we start obeying the Word of God, the Spirit of God, there's no room for any of this stuff. I mean, in all honesty, how many of us have time for our addicted lifestyle anymore? I mean, I am like too big. I don't know how I fit that stuff in. Like, I was really busy doing that stuff. I'm like, I ain't got time for that. Ain't got no time for that. Sweet bit. I mean, if we really think about it, you know, we've, most of us in here have been putting one foot in front of the other for a minute now. But we can't plateau either. We need to start climbing again. And yeah, you know, we need to say, you know what? My life's better. I'm getting that job and I'm not struggling with that. And you know what? I've been sober for a minute. And you know what? I'm not doing those things anymore. And you know what? I haven't touched the computer in that wrong way in a while. And you know what? I haven't had too many cupcakes maybe since yesterday. But, you know what? I'm getting a little bit of progress. You know, and we need to say, you know what? I'm doing all right. Because so often we, we heap condemnation on our own selves that gives me the excuse of why I can do that. And yet there's this other mindset. If I actually start to behave all the, all the time, someone's actually going to expect it of me. And the responsibility and the commitment of actually being an on-fire Christian scares us. But you know what? I don't want to be this back-and-forth Christian either. Because that's no fun. It's no fun. You know, you're in the middle of the road getting run over from both directions. It's not fun sinning and it's not fun being in God. Because you get in God and you feel condemned and the enemy has all this room to beat on us because he's got all these things that we did yesterday. And yet, when we're in sin, we're like, we can't do that because Jesus won't leave me alone. So it's like, we keep spinning in circles. And we have to truly come before the Lord and say, you know what? I need to repent. And not to like, Jesus, I'm sorry. But like, legit say, this is what I'm doing wrong. And get specific. And declare war on ourselves. And you know what? And declare victory over this sin. There is no condemnation in Christ. You know what? Satan, get behind me. And I'm going to start walking toward Jesus. And I'm going to leave him in my dust. Satan, rocks. I got stuff to do. I'm no longer going to make excuses why I let him into my life. And then wonder why he's destroying me still. But I have Jesus. And I'm doing better than I used to be. But I could be doing so much better than I am now. If I hang on to his victory and his word for my life. And I begin to encourage everyone around me who's doing the same thing and saying, you know what, let's do this together. But this is a population that isolates. 
And I'll be honest, if we came together as a, as a better dysfunctional family, and we really began to support each other and encourage each other and pray for each other, this city would be completely affected by us. I do not have a doubt in that, and I've been saying that for years. And many of you have heard me say that. But we struggle with isolating and trying to tackle this thing by ourselves. And when we do that, we fail miserably. And we don't mean it, but we got trust issues. But we have to decide that we can't make excuses for that victim mentality of my trust issues. And I need to trust Jesus, and I need to trust who Jesus is putting in my life. And I need to get around those people on a regular basis, maybe not every day, because they're crazy too, but <laughs> that could be codependency. You know, like, but I need to say, you know what? I need to get out of my hobbit hole and begin to hang out with some more of the people and say, you know what, let's get coffee and hey, let's do this and hey, let's go to the movies and let's go bowling. And, and there's been times that we do those things, but it slips away real fast. Why? Because we isolate. And if we really began to encourage each other and say, you know what, this is my family in victory. This is my family in Christ. And many of us are still working on trying to get our biological families restored because we, we created so many problems through the years. Because we were living in this victim mentality and we passed it on to everyone around us. And we basically set fire to everything that we've known. And Jesus is starting to give us a solid foundation in Christ and we're trying to share it with our kids and we're trying to share it with our brothers and sisters and we're trying to share it with our parents and we're trying to share it with people around us. And it's scary at times and we don't know and they reject us and they say things. And, but we need to grab a hold of the people that are going in the same direction that we are and say, you know what? Will you help me pray for my son? Will you help me pray for my daughter? Will you help me pray for my parents? Will you help me pray for my friend? That it just does not need to be you alone with Jesus. And the more that we do this together, we have this victory that we begin to live, that we have this family in Christ, and that we begin to gain way more ground as we move together. And the greatest lie is that I can't trust anybody and I need to do this by myself, that I'm strong if I do it by myself. But the truthness of that is that I am weak when I'm alone. And I can fall really quick when I'm alone. But that's why I do it. That if I get accountability, I won't be able to fall as easily. So if the accountability brings on victory. But I have to use it. Because if you chase me down, peace out, I'm running. So I have to invite it. But if I invite it, then I can't do what I want. But what is it that I want? Do I want to continue doing the things that I don't want to do? Or do I want to grab a hold of Jesus and say, let's figure this out. I'm going to go where you want me to go. Because I do believe that you have a calling on my life. I don't believe that all my years of dysfunction and sin and pain were for nothing. That there's people out there that need to hear what you're doing in my life. Because if they heard what you did in my life, Jesus, mm -hmm. it would shock them how bad I used to be. Yeah. And every one of us has a story that is really unbelievable that we're even alive, let alone saved. <clears throat> but you know what? We think that we can't share it because we still have these areas that we're playing victim in. So they're not going to want to hear it because I do this and I do that and I don't know everything in the Bible. And we use all these excuses of why we live in, in this place of this victim mentality and not using what Christ has already done in our, our lives. We don't have to be this great theologian. We just have to share what it was like, what Jesus did, and what he's doing now. And we put the focus on Jesus because he's the victory. It's not about us. But we make it about us. And we make it about the areas that we're still struggling in. But it's time that we draw our own line in the sand and say, you know what? I'm done with this. You know, there's a saying, I forget who originally said it, but that Jesus is the Lord of all, or he's not the Lord at all. You know, so what does that mean? It means that if I have an area in my life that I'm not allowing Jesus to be the Lord because that means that he is reigning supreme in my life, 
Now, this doesn't mean that I'm going to be perfect. But it does mean that I can't make excuses for this area. I need to acknowledge what it is. It's sin. It's an area that needs to be brought under the, you know, the blood of Jesus. And I need to submit that area to Christ. And many of us have all these childhood wounds that we have yet to bring Jesus to. So Jesus is, has victory in our present day. And we're believing in Jesus somewhat for our future. But we don't want to bring Jesus into our past. Because that's under the blood. I'm a new creation. And we use these Christian punchline verses out of context. So therefore we can stay in victim mentality over stuff that's happened to us as kids. And what we need to do is almost like that cartoon, the Warner Brothers cartoon, of the little dog behind and behind the big dog. And like, you know what? We're hiding behind Jesus and we need to go to these events in our childhood and say, you don't own me anymore. I belong to Jesus. And it begins to wipe the victim out of our lives. And the blood of Jesus is really wiping the stain clear. Because you know what? Getting molested as a kid, you don't own me anymore. I belong to Jesus. You know what? Having abandonment issues, you don't own me anymore. I belong to Jesus. Growing up poor, you don't own me anymore. I belong to Jesus. Being abused, you don't own me anymore. I belong to Jesus. And we literally need to go face to face with some of these events, which is scary, can be overwhelming. But if we begin to say, I belong to Jesus, that you are not my identity, my identity is in Christ, and we start declaring victory over those areas in our lives, and it starts as a private battle. I'm not asking any of you to come up here and share your your worst memory of your childhood. But I guarantee you, as you start to talk to Jesus about those areas and saying, Jesus, I'm scared of that. I don't even want to go there. But Jesus, I need you to give me the strength to do some of this stuff because I'm tired of that being in my closet. I'm tired of that haunting me. I'm tired of having that victim part of me. I know it's there. You know it's there. The enemy knows it's there. He uses it as a stronghold in my life. Your word tells me to tear down that stronghold, but I don't even want to touch it. So Lord, I pray that you give me the strength to even look at it because I don't know what to do with it. And we begin to declare the victory over some of those areas and say, you know what, Jesus, you're going to give me the strength because I don't know how to do it. And that we can boast in our weakness and Christ can be glorified and shown strong because it's not me walking into my childhood trying to fix it because I can't. I've been running from it since I was a kid. But it's declaring victory over the areas of my past that have had its chains wrapped around me so tight that I can't run with Christ. And some of us have one leg free, but we still got something chained. And it's time to, to, to really acknowledge what it is and say, you know what? It's time for me to break that chain in Christ because the word says that my chains have been broken and I need to begin to believe truth over my facts. And I need to live in victory even though some things don't feel like they've changed all that much. But you know what? If you would have told me that I would feel the way that I feel today, a decade ago, I wouldn't have agreed with you. But I began to follow Jesus and he began to heal me and he began to change me. And I don't even remember technically how I used to feel. Because the sting of sin has been removed. And now it's just a testimony. It's not this wound. It's not a memory in the sense that it has feeling to it. And it's up to me to declare Christ's victories over my life. It's up to you to declare Christ's victories over your lives. And to call areas of brokenness and sin... And bring him out of denial and allow Jesus to come through some of those doors that he's been knocking on for a minute. And we're like, I can't hear you. Because I don't know about you, but I want everything that Christ has for me. Because I believe he's got way cooler things that I can even give for myself. And there's for a long time I still struggled that Jesus wasn't going to give me cool things. So I was still trying to get my cool things in Jesus. And he resisted me, and I'm so grateful that he did because I learned who Jesus really was. 
and he's way better at leading my life than I'm, I am because I have a track record of destroying everything I touch. And if I take my will back, I will continue to destroy everything I touch. And I'm not perfect. And I'm not up here trying to say that I am. But I keep bringing Jesus into my equation and I keep trying to surrender more and more and more and more. Saying, I got to do it your way, Jesus. I don't want to do it your way. It scares me, Jesus. I'm going to trust you, Jesus. I don't understand this, Jesus. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why this isn't happening. I don't understand why this is taking so long. I got to trust you, Jesus. I'm going 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 to trust you, Jesus. And that's been my victory battle cry for a long, long time. It's a prayer that I've prayed more than any other prayer. Because most of the time, I'm, my fear is rising up so strong that I want to do what my emotion is telling me to do. And usually it's run away and go do this or go do that. When Jesus is saying, trust me, and I'm like, I don't know how to do it. And I just sit still to the best of my ability and know that he is God. And I keep saying it over and over and over again. And usually there's tears running down my face. Because everything I want to do is run away in that moment and be a victim. I do not want to hang on to his victories. And I'm so grateful today that my feet obey Jesus way better than my head. Because they're planted on the rock. And my head sometimes is filled with them. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you that you are our victory. You are our Lord. You are the love of our lives. Lord, we ask that you would come powerfully and intimately. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would have your way in each and every one of us. That you would bring us to this place. That we would know that your ways are better than our ways. Lord, help us to begin to face some of the, the deepest, darkest corners of our past and begin to declare your light over them. Lord, we need your strength. We can't do it alone. Lord, we can't even look at them. We can't even go there. We don't even want to talk about them. Lord, because it, it brings up so many emotions, so many bad experiences, so many bad memories or emotions, Lord, but we need your victory. So, Lord, I pray that you would begin to move in each and every one of us. I pray that you loosen the grip of those areas in our lives, Lord, I ask right now that the blood of Jesus would break those chains and the strength that, and the hold that it's had on us for far too long. Lord, I pray that we would declare you the Lord of our lives and that we would declare your victory over every aspect of everything that we've ever been through and everything that we would go through and what we're going through right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.